In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all, right? And we saw first step, we talked about humility, right? We talked about meekness, strength under control. And then we saw in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, right? And, and we were wondering, okay, make every effort. You mean you, unity doesn't just happen? No, we have to make every effort. We have to be diligent. We have to be proactive. We have to be intentional about it. And what is the basis of our unity is that as believers, we are placed into what? The body of Christ, right? 1 Corinthians 12. The church, the body of Christ. So there's a positional unity, right? In God's eyes, biblically, positionally, we're united in Christ. And we've been looking at, well, what does that mean? How does that play out practically, right? And, and you know, we all like to be kind of a, a visual learner. That's how I learn. And so some of you, I, this is one of my favorite Illustrations of the church, right? I don't know how many of you remember these. Yeah, remember these, right? Dating yourself, some of us. How many have a lava lamp still, right? Now you're really dating yourself, right? But I love this illustration because when I first saw this years and years ago, I was like, hey, that's the church. That's the church. We're united in Christ, we're united positionally, and this is us. Each of you find yourself in there, right? And so Sundays, what do we do? We go to church. We're all here. And then we enjoy worship, fellowship. We say amen. And what do we do for the week? Do that. Right? And some of us get here on Tuesdays, so we do this. And you have little pockets, and then you have coffee, so two, two of the little lights get together. Right? But collectively, I love this because I'm like, that's us. We're united positionally in Christ. And then we go and we do our own thing, and then, and then we do this in various ways, right? Thank you, dear. And, and I love that because it reminds us that in a culture that is very individualistic, in a culture that is very privatized, that at our core as believers, we are one in Christ. And although we might go and live where we live, work where we work during the week, we're still one, and we have the privilege... Oh, we lost somebody. Um, <laughs> we'll have to pray for them. <laughs> can you lose yourself? No, we're not going to, you know, can you fall out of the... It just broke. Okay, so... Right? So, so we, 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 we do this. And, and we've been learning, like, okay, so we're all in there, and we do this, and we're sort of all touching each other. How are we supposed to interact? What's the relationship between all the individuals here, right? That's what we're learning. It's not just that we're lumped together, and we're supposed to just get through this till we all get to heaven. No, the Bible specifically gives direction called one another's, right? There's a quote, I remember that quote from Andy Stanley from last week. It said, the primary activity of church was one anothering one another. Right? Love one another, forgive one another, bear one another. Right? One another. One anothering. In, our, in, in English, that's two words, or hyphenated. In the Greek, that's one word. That 
word occurs about a hundred times in the New Testament. Forty-seven of those times, it's instructions to who? Us. Right? On one level, it seems really simple. Oh, we're just supposed to love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Right? Why? If it was so simple, why would the Bible require almost half of the one another's to be instructions to us? Somewhere along the line, I think God knew that we would need some help. Right? Because it sees, oh, let's just love one another, and then we can define love in all these different ways, and, and then it's really feelings-based, then it becomes about me-based. And, and Scripture, when it, why is there 47? Because it's really 47 flushing out what love looks like, tangibly, right? We're going to look this summer. This is going to be the summer of one anothering around here. So we're going to look at what is this one another? What does it mean to really forgive one another as Christ forgave you. What does it really mean to bear one another's burdens, right? We just sort of hear those and you've heard them all. We, whoo, right? Not only is it difficult, literally, it's impossible in the flesh, right? That's why, that's why I believe Jesus said, hey, love, as I have loved you, what are we supposed to do? Love one another as Christ loves us. How many of you are overwhelmed by Christ's love for you? When you worship, right? Okay. Now turn to the person next to you and just give them a smile because that's how you're supposed to love them. <laughs> right? Right? How's that working out? How's that working out for you? Right? And then, then you go outside the church and we're to love our enemies. Right? What does this really mean? What does that really look like? What does it mean that... that it's a work of the Spirit. What does that mean? So we're going to spend the summer looking at these one another's. And, and I love this because this is us. This is us, not just this church, but this, you can look at the church universal. This is, this is us. We gather. We have the privilege to gather. And then we scatter. And then during the week, you have the privilege to connect in different groups. Because it's all relationship. Amen? It's relational. And that's a scary word in our culture. It can be a very scary word, Right? How many of you have developed the habit that if you don't know the number on your cell phone, you don't answer it? Right? You can't, right? We, we kind of have developed this sort of suspicion, fear, you know, people are always taking advantage of us. We've had bad experiences in the church, maybe bad experiences just with people in general, maybe bad experiences growing up. And so this whole idea that we are connected, woohoo! Is that a woohoo moment? We're all one? Woohoo! And now, we're supposed to relationally love one another. Yay! <laughs> Think about that one, right? And a lot of it has to do with personal experiences. A lot of it has to do with our flesh. You know, I grew up and still very much about me, myself, and I. The three of us. The three amigos. Me, myself, and I. Right? Anyone ever think at work or at home, if you just did it my way, it would be so much simpler for everyone? Hmm? Right? Well, welcome to my world in the church. Wow, they would just do this, and they'd just do this, and they would just do this. Meaning if the church would just cater to me, everything would be fine. The problem with that is when you have 150 people telling me that I should do it their way. You know? And so right away, we realize, man, this is, this is beyond us. And it's supposed to be. 
Because look at John 13, 34. What does Jesus say, right? The first we've seen. Go ahead, I put up John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, right? So we just said that, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, if you are, are up on current events out there, right? In the culture, in our country, let's say our country, immediately, I mean, it's, it's just glaring, right? There's not a lot of love out there. <laughs> In fact, right now, the, 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 the temperature of the culture is just anger and hostility. Just straight up anger, hostility, division, rage, right? Huge power struggle going on, right? Into, the, into that culture, our culture right now, Jesus says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, this, this, this radical way of loving one another, not just positionally, but practically, day to day, that in our culture today can be a tremendous witness. Can be a tremendous witness. People can come in here and they have, and they say, man, you guys are so loving, man. There's, how do you guys do that? Well, I mean, I don't know how we do that. We just attribute it to the work of God and the Spirit and teaching His Word and, and, and being faithful. But we recognize it's not really complicated. If we want to be a beacon, if we want to be light in the Ojai Valley, big part of that, according to Jesus, is what? How we love one another. It's that simple, but not that easy. See, don't, don't confuse it. It's really simple. It's not rocket science. Love one another. Agape love. Self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the other person. Nothing in return. I am self-sacrificially giving myself to you. That's the, that's the love on the cross. It's the simple to understand that it takes the supernatural work of God to actually do it. And that's what we're going to look at in the summer. What is this one anothering? This one anothering. There's a hundred of them in the New Testament. Half of them are for us. See, I believe if we get this as a church, God, there's no limit to what God can do in this valley. Because as a church, we're just giving it all away. We're just giving ourselves. We're using this place for his kingdom. It's all love. We're not, we don't want anything. We don't need anything from anybody. You see? We're doing care packages for Mexico, right? Here, just take it. Just give. It's for your benefit. We love Jesus. We want you to know Jesus loves you. Here, just take it. We don't need you to sign up for anything. Just take it. And when you live that life of self-sacrificial love in the power of the Spirit, because that's only how you're going to do it, and you're just giving yourself away, your time, energy, right? It's amazing. How many of you have truly lived that, that saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive? How many of you have, have just purpose? I'm going to be a giver, and somehow or another, God just blesses you right back tenfold, hundredfold, right? Because you're walking in the Spirit in a godly love. So that's what we're doing, and, and you know, we've looked at some fun ways to look at the church, right? A couple of weeks ago, I turned on the rock tumbler, and I shared with you another picture of the church is the rock tumbler, and they're still in there, right? And we're in this rock tumbler, and God uses all of us to, to, to mold and shape and get the rough edges off, right? And we had some fun with that. And then last week, I had four oars, remember that? Right? We brought... Four people up here and we went whitewater rafting. And I said, you know, if I were to invite 
four of you to go whitewater rafting with me, and you each brought in your gear and your own watercraft, we could go down the river, the five of us, and enjoy camaraderie, right? Enjoy fellowship, but we're all in our individual kayaks or canoes. That's not really the church. So last week, we put four of you into the boat. You were here, and I was the guide. And suddenly, it's not just about you. Suddenly, there's a dependence and a mutual need to survive and to listen to the guide as we make our way down the river, right? Class one rapid, class two rapid, class four rapid, right? And yet the challenge we looked at last week is a lot of us, you the church, as we arrive out there, that's filled with kayaks. We arrive in our kayaks, and we get out of our kayaks, and we all, you know, gather here. And at the end of the day, we all get back in our kayaks, and we get back on our life, and we go down our own little paths. The truth is, there's only one big kayak, and it's called the church. And everyone's got an oar, and you're in with the rest of us. And you have a role to play on this big boat called the church. And as long as we're all listening to, to the guide, we'll be fine. Yeah. It's when we say, I don't feel like going right. I want to go left. I don't want to, I don't feel like forward paddling. I just want to back paddle because I have fun. <laughs> right? Imagine how quickly it'd be chaos if everyone was just rowing to their own rhythm. Deciding when, you know, that's what we are. So the challenge, okay, right away the challenge, we said, yeah, that's great, we're the church. Until you realize, no, it's not the church is like 150 kayaks going down the river separately. It's one big. And everyone's got an oar. It's called a gift from God. And the Bible says we'll grow, right? Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself, itself up in love, right? The root of it is love, as each part does its work. So everybody's got an oar in this thing called the church or a gift. The question is, do you know what your gift is? And are you using it for the benefit of who? Others, right? For the church, big picture. The big we, as we've been calling it. See, somewhere along the line, and this is the consumer mentality of, of our culture, you don't have to raise your hand, just think about this. Our members, right, when you function as a member of the church, right, do you function as a member of the church or the body of Christ to serve the body, or is the body supposed to serve you? Very powerful question. Are you here to serve, to, to use your gift to serve the body, the church as a whole? Or somewhere along the line did you pick up that the church is supposed to serve you and meet your needs? Right? Now there's a relationship that goes both ways, but again, in our culture, especially in the consumer bent that even the church has gone to, the church markets itself has come and we're here to serve you. Come, we're here to meet your needs. Come, 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 because it's really all about you. And then we set each other up for failure. Mm 
Because there's no way I or this church can meet your needs perfectly 100% of the time. There's just no way, right? And then you come or somebody comes and they come with this self-serving, it's all about me mentality and immediately they're disappointed. Immediately, you know, how many of you realize you can always find what you're looking for somewhere? If, you, if you're really looking for faults and failures, how many you know you can find it pretty quick in anything? If you're looking for it, right? If you're looking for it. And so if we're coming to a church and, and it's all sort of, you have this consumer mentality and you're looking for how it's going to meet your needs, and then you're really looking for how it's not, and what you don't like about it, how many you know it's pretty easy to find uh, what you don't like about a church? Real easy to find. Really, I got a list about this place that I would change. We met for three hours yesterday as elders about things that God is doing and things that need to be corrected and things where we can grow and do this better. I have a list. But it's a matter of what we choose to really focus on. Really what we choose to focus on. The greater body of God with God's vision for the church or, gosh, you know, Things in the walls of Collins Mark. Why doesn't somebody just stain? Right? The carpets. Why is there right? And, and suddenly you come here and it's just like you're just looking. And you'll find it. And you'll find it even in the people here. If you're looking for how people are going to disappoint you in the church. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're sitting right next to you. They're sitting right next to you. You don't have to look very far. Because you're going to do it too. Amen? You're going to disappoint someone. And so it's just a matter of focus. We're here to serve the church, to use our gifts and talents for the glory of God, that the church would grow and be healthy and be a testimony. Not flip it. Right? Not Be careful about that. But I understand it because we live in that culture, right? We live in the culture, social media, it's all about me and look at me and we bring that with us wherever we go, this me mentality. It just permeates the church. It really does, right? Last week we looked at Hebrews and we said, okay, so if this is the church, what are three things we can do practically, right? From Hebrews 10, let's look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, okay, how do we how do we make this real? So, if this is a church, we're called to be in relationship with each other, we've been given gifts. What do we do? And last week there were three, just three practical things. If you were to do these three and say, you know what, for the next year, next years, I, I'm going to do these three. God radically changed your life. He'll change your church experience, right? What were those three? Number one, right? It says in uh, verse 25, not giving up meeting together. Number one, commit to participate in the gathering of the church. Apparently in Hebrews 10, some people have developed a habit of just blowing off the gatherings. Not just Sundays, but just the gatherings of the church. You want to make a difference in your walk with Jesus? You want to make a difference in the kingdom? Drive the stake in the ring. Commit to participate in the gatherings of the church. Okay? 
Oh, that sounds really good until it touches priorities, touches convenience, touches, right, self, right? Number two, it says, verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds. Number two, consider others and how to lovingly irritate them to move forward in their spiritual growth, right? Well, that's our fun word for the word spur. Spur, word pictures, lovingly irritate. That word consider, we looked at that. Consider means to take time out of your day to actually think about the spiritual condition, welfare, well-being of somebody else. And this, again, sounds really good, except for we live in a very me-centered, privatized faith. I'm going to Bible study. I hope I learn something. I hope, I hope it's a good sermon. I hope. And so we kind of become very introspective. And we look at ourselves and we dissect ourselves and where am I with Jesus and what am I doing? You want a radical change? That word consider. Spend time today, spend time next week. Consider the spiritual well-being of your spouse if you're married. Consider the spiritual well-being of each of your kids. Consider the spiritual well-being of the person in front of you, next to you, behind you. Your brother and sister in Christ. See, again, this is, that, this is that mentality where, but isn't that your job, pastor? Shepherd sheep. And isn't the shepherd supposed to know the condition of the sheep? Well, I, I know a lot. But in Hebrews, he's talking to who? The church. He's saying, hey, church, consider each other's spiritual state. Consider each other's spiritual well-being. When was the last time you actually, literally, if you were honest, sat down and said, Lord, how's so-and-so doing with you? What do they need? How can I help them? How can I spur them on in their spiritual growth? Lord, I haven't seen so-and-so at church. Maybe I should call them. Maybe I should see what's going on. That word consider, powerful word to get our eyes off of us. Right? And then it says, come alongside, right? It says, encourage one another. Right? Verse 25, encouraging one another in all the more day. They just see it, they approach it. What is that word picture for encouraging? Just coming alongside. It's like teaching your kid how to roller skate or ride a bike when you come right alongside and you're, you can do it, you can do it, you too, you know, and help them. Be an encourager. And I do want to say thank you because some of you actually. Last week I said, you can do that this in these days easy. Send a text. Right? Send an encouraging text to somebody every day with no reply wanted. How many of you have ever sent an encouraging text to someone and didn't want didn't need it, didn't even want to reply? That's a God they love. Right? You can send texts. Hey, thinking about you today. Have a blessed day. Send. Hey, I heard that I'm praying for you. Send. Hey, just want you to know I love you. Send. You can do that. That's the beauty of technology. That's when technology gets redeemed for the kingdom. Right? And so I want to say thank you because I said that last Sunday and some of you did that before you left to me. So thank you for those words of encouragement. That even before church was over, I went back. I'm like, wow, they were texting during church. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's so simple. And how many of you have been blessed to receive an encouraging text? Been on the receiving end, right? Just do that. If you, those three things can radically change you, and then if you're changed, it radically changes this place. 
Because now we're just we're considering one another, we're, we're spiritually irritating each other, right, lovingly, and we're encouraging one another. If that, I would love for this church to be known by those things, amen? People that are committed to the gathering, people that are considering others and spurring us on to spiritual growth, and people who are encouragers. What a great testimony for the well, amen? See, that's, that's my heart. That's why we can't just breeze past, oh, one another's, oh, come on, why are we stuck on one another's? Can't we just move on? No. Jesus, man, love one another, and that's plenty to be a testimony, right? And so I share that with you, and, and, and we have a lot of fun looking at this, right? The, the rock tumbler, the rowing, even this is kind of a fun thing. Here's the thing I want to share with you today as we kind of take a step forward. We're going to come back up, right? Sometimes we talk about the church from what we call 10,000 feet. And then last week we went down to ground level. What does it look like? Three things. This week I want to come back up and I want to share the church uh, from another side of life and the importance of the church from another side of life. And, and Sometimes, you know, I'm an active learner, and some of you guys are like, well, you're pretty animated, and we have a lot of fun, and we laugh, and, and I enjoy that. That's just, I think the church is, I love the church. I've been working with the church for almost 30 years as a calling. Does the church drive me crazy? Absolutely. There are times I want to run for the hills every week, right? <laughs> but it's God's creation. God created it. He calls us to be part of it. I know my calling. And so in the end, Jesus, I love the church, right? With all of its quirks, all of its heartaches, all of its pains, all of its joy, we love the church here. That's why we do what we do, right? And, and I'm also, and I share that with you because sometimes, you know, when I do kind of fun things, I want you to catch my joy and I want you to catch my heart for the church. But there's always a part of me too that's like, you know, I hope, I hope it's not taken flippantly. I hope in all the laughter and all the fun that, that people aren't just kind of like, oh, that was kind of cute, but not serious. And, and, and it is very serious. Even the joy of the Lord is serious. Amen? Yeah. Right? It's, not, it's not solemn, but it's a, it's a real thing. And, and there's another part of church that, that I want to share today to help you understand, I believe, why it's important corporately and why it's important individually, right? So 1 Corinthians 12, 21. If you want to look at that, you can. It's going to be up on the screens says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Romans 12, 3-5 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others.
right? What's going on there? He's saying, hey, we're the body. And, and you know, the, the word picture is a, is a human body. You know, your hand says the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And vice versa. It, it would be unhealthy. It would be destructive. The physical body started fighting against each other. I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. I need you. Right? And he's saying, hey, church, everybody is necessary in the church. And again, the way we do church, and it's very, I, I get it, right? I get it. It's the people up here. It's the, it's the hired guns. It's the ones on this side of the mic, right? They're the big dogs in the church. They got the titles. They run things around here, right? It's that clergy lady thing, right? And then I often hear people say, well, I just. I'm just a. I'm just a. And what he's saying is, is there is no I'm just a in the church. If you're a believer, we're all on equal footing. That's what he's saying here. Right? Don't elevate me. All I'm doing here is using the gift God's given me. Which is no different than the greeters at the front door. Which is no different than people in the commons. Which are no different than someone who blows the leaves here. It's just gifting. Being used in the church. We're the ones that sort of put this hierarchy and pecking order. And oh man. He's, he's the real. He's the big cheese. I'm just a. I'm just a. And that, if that seeps in to the church. There's the place of division. There's the place of, oh, I'm just a. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not just a. Turn to them and say, you're not just a. You're not just a. Right? Well, I just attend. I just, I just, I just. No, there is no I just. He's saying, you know what, every part. So if I cop an attitude, and if I start walking around here like the big cheese, and like, you're just a greeter. Right? You're just a bass player. Right? If I, you know, you get a big head, da, 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 and suddenly that's what's going on in the church. Right? Titles, roles, this is my kingdom. He breaks that all down. He says, look, every part of the church is equally valid. Amen? Every person, every believer has been given a gift, and that gift is to be used for the glory of God in the church. Amen? Now we amen that until... Did you amen that? Amen? All right, grab your horse, sister, let's go. Oh, oh really? Oh, gosh, I got something to do. I'm busy. I got to be on a lunch. Then it gets real, real quick, because then we start handing out offers. <laughs> Thinking about taking it, or what? Going on, 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 on. Fortune, bro. I mean, God gave you the gift. I'm just going to tell you when to stroke. Right? But, right? Suddenly, everything's like, oh. Here's the thing. You already have an oar. God gave you a gift. The question is, are you using it? And that's why we have to camp here because it's a paradigm shift. I get it. It's a paradigm shift. Because everyone up here is seen as the people using the oars. These are the oars. Everyone up here. Everyone the greeters. 
Those in official ministry are the Ori. Everyone else is just a, I'm just a passenger on this cruise. Right? No, 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 no. Everyone's got an oar. And when everyone grabs their oar and uses it, oh man, this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. We got 40 people-ish going to Mexico. Amen. Building two houses. Glory. Yeah. Hallelujah. God is providing supernaturally, financially, He's working it all out. All because people are accepting their oars <laughs> and hearing the call. It's like, okay, let's go. 40 people. I'm going to go down there for a weekend. And they're going to row together. And in the end, here, take it. Two families, be blessed for the rest of your lives on this planet. And we're going to row back to Ohio. <laughs> See ya! That's when there's life in the church. That's when there's life in your life. Right? That's what we're called to do. And then that verse says, the end of it, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Romans 12, 15, and 16 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Right? And so... We had a celebration barbecue beginning of June. Great time, lots of fellowship, lots of laughter, games, and we really were like, woohoo! A year here, we moved here with probably a core of 50 or 60. A year later, we got a core of about 150, and we're celebrating life. You guys are building relationships. Many of you I didn't even know a year ago, and it's been beautiful to get to know you, and, and we laugh, and we're sharing lives. And yet those verses remind me that there's an aspect and importance of church when life isn't so good and life is painful and tough. I'm blessed and privileged to be uh, officiating at, at Don Williams Memorial at 2 o'clock today. And, and I was so blessed to be asked by, by First Baptist to do that. And, and then we met at Cafe Important to, to chat about the memorial. And the more I'm talking, the more I'm like, wait. So because of circumstances, life circumstances and, and current situation, there is no immediate family planning on that can come. See, in church then typically we do memorials because it's, there's a son or a daughter, aunt, uncle, grand, right? That there's family and we want to kind of come alongside the family. And and it struck me all week, wait. No one's coming from Don's family. And so I'm sitting at a cafe and it dawned on me there and I'm like, wait, this memorial is just being planned by the church, by brothers and sisters who love him. There was no ulterior motive to come alongside a family. and to, to, It was just brothers and sisters who were impacted by brother Don and wanted to celebrate his life. That's the church. I, I was, it, 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 it's, it, I'm still, you know, I'm like, wow, that is. So no, even even last night, I talked to someone. I said, yeah, maybe someone can come from San Diego, maybe, but probably not. So at two o'clock, it's just brothers and sisters coming to celebrate a brother who went to be with the Lord, and I was just like. I'm just blessed, and I'm going to share that with them, how blessed I am for them as a church to do that. 
to do that. And then, I, and then I was thinking of the times in my own life when, when life has, has sort of put me in places that I never thought I would be as part of a church, not just a pastor, but a church. And and I asked uh, uh, Cindy permission to share the story because because God really put on my heart. Um, many of you know uh, Brother Larry Swallows and. And uh, he and I, in our days of community, we served together. Uh, I got to know him and Cindy because we were taking a team to Mexico, a youth team. And we said, hey, we're going to meet after uh, church to talk about the trip to Mexico, yada, yada. It was a youth thing. Cindy and Larry showed up not knowing it was a youth thing. <laughs> Wrong meeting. Lifetime friend. He came. I got to know him. We, we, we spent a lot of time fishing out at the Gap, deep sea fishing. We spent a lot of time together, served together in youth ministry. And then Larry um, got cancer. And uh, as a brother, I went through that journey with him. And I asked him if I could share the story of the day. I had gone with Larry down to the hospital a few times, and, and when he got chemo, so he would sit there. <laughs> Wouldn't feel good after, so I'd drive him home. We'd just talk, and go out to lunch or something if he felt okay. But one day, uh, we went down, and he shared with me that um, I, this is the day that, that the doctor's going to tell me what's going on and, and where I am in terms of uh, potentially how much time I have left. And I'll never forget this, this moment. He went in and I hung out in the waiting room and then he came out. And he uh, came up to me. He said, uh, they say I have three months. I said, okay. And we rode home. Didn't say anything. I didn't know what to say. It wasn't about the title at that moment. And the Lord taught me that the church often is not just oh, what are you going to say? How well do you pray? And, and are you going to be, what are you going to do in that moment? Sometimes church is just being, just being present with somebody. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to have some eloquent prayer. You don't have to throw a verse at them. You just gotta be. Just be. The simplicity of just being. And just, just putting your arm out, just hugging them. And, and I share that with you. Because there's a side, again, I think part of it is culture. The, the world we live in, right? We put on our Sunday best and all is good. It's fine. All right? We're deathly afraid of really sharing what's going on because what are they going to think about me at the church? And we live isolated, private lives hurting 
desperate for someone just to be, and yet we're terrified of sharing. And, you know, I thought about that, that picture of the church, that we're the body, and if one part suffers, we all suffer. If one part's celebrating, we celebrate, right? Uh, we celebrated incredible baby dedications. Yeah, awesome. New, new, new births, everything. We celebrate together. That's awesome. And it's also a choice as a church to be there and suffer together. And that's kind of tough. And that's, that, that's uncomfortable. Because a lot of our life is spent trying to not go there and avoid pain and avoid hurt and avoid, avoid, avoid. And then we get to the church and we're around broken people and people with needs and people that, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. It's just overwhelming. Let me, say, let, me, let me help you. You don't have to necessarily do anything. Just be. Just be an encourager. Be an ear. Be a prayer warrior for them. Not, not with them. You can pray for them. That's part of the church. It's an important part of the church, right? And, and it's a choice that we have to make to enter in. And it's something we have to keep in front of us. Because if we don't, we can slide into sort of it's me, myself, and I as a church, and we can gather on Sundays and, and sort of get along and hoop and hop and whatnot, and then leave, but we're leaving in our own kayaks and we really don't want to be a part of other people's lives. And if that's our heart, ultimately it's, it, it can seep into here with division and discord here. It happened in, in, in Corinth, right? First Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul is blasting the believers in Corinth. Look what he says. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. For your readings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. You know what's going on here? In the early church, they had a thing called the Agape Feast. And after this dinner, call it a potluck. They had a potluck. And after potluck, they would celebrate communion. But there was a problem. The Apostle Paul says, hey, hey, church, you're having a church potluck. The rich people are bringing food. The poor people can't afford to bring any food. Hey, church, I heard what's going on there. At your potlucks, you're not even waiting for everyone to get there. Rich people are eating first. Poor people are coming. There's nothing left. They're still hungry. And some of you are just getting drunk. And then you take communion because it's all about Jesus and his self-sacrificial love. The Apostle Paul is calling them out big time about their self-serving, self-indulgent meal all before they have communion to celebrate Jesus' self-sacrificial love. You say, hey man, you guys are being so hypocritical. You guys, this is ridiculous. You're going to act like that. Don't you have homes? Right? There's divisions. There's cliques. Hey, let's get, oh, look at all that good food. 
let's get it, come on, let's get it before they, it's all gone. And then they're getting drunk, right? It manifested, this, this heart of self was manifesting itself in an agape, agape which means what? Self-sacrificial, an agape meal was 100% opposite, 180 degrees opposite from being self-sacrificial. It was self-indulgent, and then they had the audacity and the irreverence to go do communion and to remember Jesus' sacrifice. Crazy, right? And yet there was a check for me, there was a check for us as a church that if we, if we compartmentalize our walk with Jesus to, well, that's this and this, this, Instead of just seeing that my whole life is to be a life of love in the Spirit. That quick, that quick, me, you, others, can turn this into a... Right? Hurry, get it, get it, come on, man. And that quick, a church can go into disunity, discord, division, fighting, all because we lost our focus. All because we lost our of true what? Loving one another is what? Christ loved the church, right? Christ loved the church. You remember a few weeks ago when, when Bill shared the mirror? How many of you got a mirror from Bill? A little compact, right? And Bill said, open the mirror. And he said, what do you see? God's masterpiece, right? Remember that? God's masterpiece. How many of you still have that mirror? How many of you still have that? I was thinking of that. I want to encourage you, if you had a mirror, next time you open it, ask yourself, what do you see? And I hope you see... Oh wait, I'm a member of the church. I have an oar. It's not just me. It's me with everybody behind me. Right? When I look in the mirror, it's part of the church. I see me, sure. But then I see all of you behind me. It's part of the big we. That'll radically change. That'll radically change things if you begin to say, not just me, but we. Not just me, but we. So Lord, what am I supposed to do here? That's our heart. That's a heart, and I do want to affirm you guys, man, I have heard so many beautiful things about how you guys are one another and one another. I just, I just want to tell you that. I hear it. I affirm you. I encourage you. Keep doing that. Um, and I'm not talking here on Sundays. I'm talking Monday through Saturday. I hear so many stories of people being blessed um, by what you're doing. So keep doing it. Keep one anothering one another. And... It's all for the glory of God, amen? That's, that's why we do what we do, right? And so he says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, 27, says, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. What's he saying? He said, hey, believers, before you come to the table, I've heard what you're doing, it's a really a reflection of your heart. I need you to examine yourself. I need you to confess it. I need you to get right. Non-believers, right? We're about to have communion if you're not a believer in Jesus. I encourage you to examine where you are with Jesus this morning. He loves you self-sacrificially, right? The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. When we take communion, we're called to do it in remembrance of Christ. It's not just a religion, a religious ritual we do around here. It really says, if you come forward, you're, you're sort of professing that that's your conviction. That I am doing this in remembrance of Jesus, in whom I have placed my faith as Savior and Lord. 
That's why we do this. It's an opportunity to publicly profess your, your faith in Jesus. And so examine yourself this morning. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, Savior and Lord. And then join us. Then join us. If there's an issue and, and God's been speaking to your heart this morning about, am I taking my oar? Do I want my oar? Is it about me? If that's an issue for you this morning, before we take communion, sit in your chair and just make it right with God. The Bible says we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us. Confess it. Repent. Ask God's forgiveness. And come. Come to the table with the right heart. So two things. Salvation. Where are you with Jesus in the salvation sense? And then sanctification. Believers. How's your heart this morning? Are you coming to the table in remembrance of agape love, the ultimate agape love, having a heart of agape? Come this morning with that heart and see what God does. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that as a church we rejoice together, but as a church we also suffer together. We all need each other. We need each other not just to, to keep this place functioning, but we really, really do need each other in life, in the trials and tribulations of life. And so thank you for the church. Thank you for all of its imperfections, all of the things that drive us absolutely crazy about the church. We're still thankful for it because we're all in process. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning before prayer, uh, before communion. We come before you in prayer and just ask you to examine ourselves, as Apostle Paul said, examine ourselves. If you're not a believer, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, the best way you know how is put your faith in Jesus and his finished work at the cross. Receive the gift of salvation. And if there's an issue of, of heart, of self, then confess it to God and ask for his forgiveness and purpose. Purpose to walk in faith and obedience when you leave here. That's all. Confess, receive forgiveness, and, and come to the table with the right heart heart of agape. So Lord, we we now enter into a time of communion. Not a, not a ritual, but a time of communion. A time where corporately we profess our faith in Christ, but also corporately we're reminded that we are a body. We're all participants. We all have functions. We all have gifts. But it's all rooted in agape love. So Lord, use this time now as we come to the communion table. Communion with you, Lord.